the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation, nine minutes after the hour. And uh, I want to sort of circle back to where we were an hour ago as we uh, welcome you to hour number two this evening. And that is talking about the coronavirus. Now, there's a lot of information out there. Some of it's accurate. Some of it's not too terribly accurate. Some of it's a bit dated. Uh, You go to one site and it says that, oh, there's 975 reported cases of coronavirus in the United States. And the CDC says 600 and something. And the truth is probably somewhere in between or maybe not on the charts at all. One of the more recent issues that's begun to come to the forefront, uh, and we read about this in a story a scant week ago, where with the widespread fear and the quarantine that's happened in China, more than 80,000 cases of um, coronavirus there, and as you know, a significant number of deaths worldwide, over 3,500 people, uh, there was a growing concern that pets could either be um, infected by coronavirus or could be contributory toward spreading it, so much so that some people in an absolute lather, an absolute panic, were going to veterinarians and saying, can you please put my pet down? Because of fear that the animal could potentially either suffer from corona or pass corona along. Just how far out of reality is a concern of that sort? Well, to get some answers, we're going to talk with Dr. Stephen Weinrich. He is um, Topanian's chief veterinary officer, and um, we appreciate, Dr. Weinrich, you taking some time to be with us today. We, we understand, at least initially here, that COVID-19 seems to have been transmitted from animals to humans. So I suppose if that be true, in a sense, the fear of potentially transmitting from a human back to an animal like our household pet is not exactly beyond the realm of possibility. But just how far-fetched is this? Well, I think what's causing the sudden concern, really, is that we had a report out of Hong Kong, and that report indicated that a pet dog uh, of an infected patient that had tested uh, positive had tested weekly positive to COVID-19 as well, uh, which is, uh, as, as you mentioned, it's potentially a bit confusing, um, as there's really still no evidence to suggest that dogs or other pets can become ill from or spread COVID-19 really any more than any other inanimate object, uh, no different than your bedroom pillow. Sure, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we, we you seem know. to be concerned that, you know, the, the transmission seems to be fairly easy. We've heard reports that the virus can live on hard surfaces anywhere from five days. I've heard as much as nearly two weeks. I don't know how much of that I, I really buy. But there seems to be, you know, in the early stages of this disease, 
major fear over just the, the, the question of ease of transmission. And so from that end, I mean, do we ever see cases within the veterinary world of uh, flu or other typical human types of, of illnesses or viruses passed on to dogs and cats? Well, what you're talking about is called a zoonosis, um, and that is something that can be passed, in, uh, an illness that can be passed from humans to pets or pets to human. Uh, in this case, we're not seeing that. Uh, if, if we look at the uh, the most recent statements uh, from a couple of days ago from the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, what they said is the weak positive test doesn't indicate uh, whether the samples contained intact virus particles or which are infectious or just fragments which aren't contagious at all. So it could be just an environmental um, contagion that the dog is carrying around, like, as I say, like a pillow or a doorknob or anything like that. But, uh, in fact, we've seen no evidence that any dogs have become ill, nor have we seen any patterns with uh, with our two Panion members. So we look back uh, 20 years, 1.5-plus million pets, um, and uh, into current and, and real-time data, and we're seeing no indication of uh, anything that would show us that we have an anomaly or anything new going on in the pet population. Uh, that said, we don't know what we know until we know it, and um, we'll need to wait for more data to come about, but uh, but that's what I'm seeing at the time. So on the early end, on the leading edge of, of this, this disease, um, is this a call then for, at least until we know more, we have some more history here, um, uh, to exercise an abundance of caution? And if so, what does that look like in terms of protecting pets from uh, humans and, and transmission in that direction or the other way around? What would you recommend? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So the, the biggest thing that people are asking is, should I not have my pet, uh, who I consider my family member, in my bed with me anymore? Should I not uh, Should I not snuggle up with my pet on the sofa with my family or or let them uh, let them give me puppy kisses, um, and and nothing changes. Nothing's changed over the past uh, week, two weeks, or months. Really, um, here, here's the deal: uh, dogs do silly things. Dogs eat poop. They sniff poop. They walk through poop. They can carry stuff um, in that poop that gets us sick. Uh, and doggy kisses don't help. Uh, and that was the same before anyone had ever heard of COVID nineteen. Before it was a thing, it'll be the same after. So as far as proactive advice, uh, hey, let's scoop the poop. Let's make sure your pets are dewormed. Uh, wash your hands. Cuddle, uh, but don't kiss your, your pets uh, and just stay as safe as possible. And in the meantime, as, uh, as research progresses, you know, good hygiene and, and common sense are the golden rules. If your pet's showing any signs of unusual illness or injury or anything out with the norm, just make sure you reach out to your family veterinarian and have a chat with them. And I would suspect, you know, when this is all said and done, you probably find more cases of things like uh, uh, the passing of so-called um, cat scratch fever uh, or cat scratch disease onto human beings more than we would see potentially uh, any transmission of, of some airborne uh, respiratory disease or illness like uh, Corona-19, I suppose. Yeah, you know, you know, it, it's uh, things that we've all heard of, uh, Salmonella, Campylobacter, uh, these are things that we see in veterinary hospitals almost on a daily basis uh, that can be transmitted back and forth between uh, humans and pets. Uh, Giardia is another uh, another parasite that we may see that, that can um, get us sick. Those are things we know about. This is more unknown, so it can be a little bit more uh, disconcerting. And uh, and round, roundworms, 
uh, you know, the CDC says uh, up to 5% of Americans uh, test positive for roundworms, and that number is, is predominantly made up of people that own dogs and cats. So we just do simple things like wash those hands, scoop that poop, um, deworm our pets routinely. Um, that can really help, uh, especially noticing that there's, you know, that we have no evidence at all right now that uh, that pets can become ill or transfer, as I say, any more than a pillow or a doorknob. Um, so, you know, uh, that that said, that's why we really exist is to provide uh, support for these things in times of uncertainty. And to be sure, you know, this this is sort of a, a, a moving target and will be for a while, not only in terms of the impact uh, at the human level, but certainly for, for animals as well. Dr. Stephen Weinrock, who is with uh, Trupanion, which is, by the way, America's leading medical insurance company for pets. Information available on the web at trupanion.com. That's trupanion.com. And our thanks to veterinary Officer Dr. Stephen Weinrug for being with us in that update on this edition of Lifeline. 617, the clock says. Let's see what they say about traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Pain. Most of us, especially as we grow older, experience it. Pain accompanies injuries, overexertion, and the deterioration of the neck, spine, and certainly pain frequently accompanies arthritis. We typically accept pain as a normal part of aging, mask it often with pills, and then try to move on. But are pain and aging inextricably tied together? Next, some answers as we welcome you to Healing Habits with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. Dr. Duong, let's talk about this issue. There's a new study out that reveals 50 million Americans on average suffer from chronic pain. For many people, this chronic pain is disorienting, distracting, and quite frankly, robs them of enjoying a full quality of life. Yes, there are so many people are living in pain, and they don't seem to have the solution. So now we're going to talk about the solution because I believe the body can heal itself. The powers that create the body heals the body from the inside out, the healing inside us, and we will see how we can do the right thing so that we can diminish our pain so that we can live a better quality life. That's why I'm here. When we talk about pain, walk us through, if you would, some of the indicators of where most chronic pain tends to originate. Where is its source? There's always a pattern of pain. If it's coming from the lower back, if you have ever have experienced low back pain and you did an X-ray or an MRI on your lower back, where is it going to be? 90% of the time, it's usually it's going to be L4, L5, L5S1. Herniated disc, bulging disc, stenosis, foraminal encroachment, tingling numbness in your feet. That's the, some of the symptoms on that. That's a lower back, right? How about in the neck? A lot of neck problem right now. The reason is because of technology. Computers bending the neck forward. Yeah, right? we're all like this all the time, hunched over our cell phones. Uh, the neck. And then how, um, like, uh, the cell phone, the computers, reading, studying... Where's the location? If you have a neck problem and you take a next way, where's it coming from? There's the pattern, like I said earlier. The pattern is going to be C4, C5, 
C5, C6, symptoms, tingling, numbness in your hands, headaches. So there's a pattern of the problem. Now we need to figure it out why are those an issue? What can we do to minimize their problem? Uh, minimize the degenerations, like this, like I said earlier, disc herniations, bulging discs, arthritis on that uh, C4, C5, C5, C6. What can we do to fix the problem? And of course, it's not just limited to lower back pain and upper neck and shoulder area, but oftentimes people are dealing with debilitating knee pain, maybe from an injury, could even be a sports injury from when they were in high school years and years ago. And other types of pains too, doctor, that I would suppose are associated with things like um, autoimmune disease, arthritis, things of that sort? Yes. Uh, Let's go back to the knee first. The knee, again, People have knee replacement. The doctor said there's bone on bone. Uh, there's degeneration. Usually, another way is there's a pattern again. The pattern is on medial meniscus. That's being degenerated. Arthritis on that area. So we need to figure it out. Why is it causing it? Two things that cause that issue. The first is going to be there's more loading on the medial meniscus. So that's why it's degenerate faster. There's arthritis and medial bone. There's arthritis in the bone. So medial meniscus, so we need to find, figure out the mechanic, why is it deteriorated so younger people can start preparing for this and prevent the knee replacement so that's, that's the pattern so we need to figure it out and then we will talk more about like what's the cause of the problem so there's two things, it's the, the loading force that I'm talking about, that degenerate herniated the disc um, degenerative disc and arthritis in the bones okay, that needs into the stenosis of the, the problem in, in, in the vertebrae, in the spine. And the, on the knee is going to be the medial meniscus. So, and then also, that's one thing. The first thing that causes pain is the, the loading force on that uh, disc area or the meniscus area. What's the second one? It's the inflammation. The inflammation that's causing your body to irritate that joint, irritate the disc. Now the disc, it will degenerate faster. An example is going to be rheumatoid arthritis autoimmune conditions that what is the autoimmune condition leading to inflammatory process the inflammation will degenerate the joint better and faster for you so what we need to do is that we need to solve that problem solve the loading force problem Okay. Let's talk a bit about why this is happening, because so often we, as you're suggesting, are suffering because of bad posture, bad habits. But oftentimes, too, isn't there a sense of bad treatment here? We probably all know individuals, maybe even ourselves, we've gone to doctors, we've sought medical treatment, we've been given prescriptions for pills, maybe up to and including recommendation for surgery. And yet, in spite of everything that seems to be done to try to address chronic pain, most people never seem to get better. Why is that? You never solve the problem. You never solve the problem to fix the loading force. You never solve the problem to fix the inflammation of your body. That's why the body can continue deteriorate. Like if you have like a disc herniated disc, bulging disc, if you have like injections, temporary is blocking the pain. What's the next thing? The next step is going to be surgery. You cut off the disc, but what happened to the rest of their loading force? There's still loading force happening on that same area. So people have surgery. What's the next step? It's going to be fusions. That's, you never solve the problem. Solve the loading force first. Solve the information. So now the patients can return 
their health back to normal. Today, a look at healing habits in studio with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com. So oftentimes, let's use, for example, the case of arthritis. People that are suffering from arthritis, most oftentimes a doctor will prescribe anti-inflammatories, yes. pain pills, yes. and people say, I marginally feel better, but my, my range of motion is gone, and my ability to enjoy the things that I did, to, to have the kind of hobbies that I used to have, completely disappear. Now, here's an exception. Let's give a listen to a testimony by one of your patients that suffered from this very issue, that of rheumatoid arthritis. I came to Dr. Duong. August 5th of this year, due to the fact that I've had rheumatoid arthritis for 22 years, along with low thyroid, and haven't really gotten any results from the regular medical field. So a friend of mine referred me to Dr. Duong, and the improvements that I've had in less than two months is less pain. I have a lot more energy. I am sleeping through the night. My meds have been decreased by half. I am now losing weight, and I feel great. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about Dr. Duong for other people to know that he teaches you how to make good changes that will help your body to heal itself rather than putting a Band-Aid on it like most doctors he loves to help people, teach them so they can be healthy and whole. And I wanted to also say that in the two months that I've been going to Dr. Duong, I've had more positive gains in my health than I've had with a rheumatoidologist in 22 years. So I highly, highly recommend people that are not getting the result with their regular doctor to see Dr. Duong. He's wonderful. Doctor, that's an amazing story of a patient of yours that was suffering from another of maladies, but most certainly, and one that's very common as we age, and that is rheumatoid arthritis. And as she indicates, she'd seen other physicians, no answers whatsoever. Um, yours, of course, has been a very different approach. Let's talk a bit about what exactly you're doing that's different from other specialists. I focus on the natural healing. God gives us the power to heal the healings inside us already. We work with this healing and go and work on the basic so the body can heal. The first thing that we do is to reducing the inflammatory process on her system. Autoimmune, RA is what? Rheumatoid arthritis. We know that's autoimmunity. Your immune system is attacking the joint. That's why there is pain, inflammation in the, the system for sure. How do we know for sure? Genetic testing. So we did genetic testing to find out the issue, the inflammatory process, the detoxification can lead into um, issue that um, affecting inflammation as well. So we know where is the issue coming from scientifically, understanding the inflammatory process, give her a natural solution for the inflammation. Okay, you need to listen to what I have on the previous recording, like how to take care of the inflammatory process how to take care of, of, of your health. There's two ways that you can take care of it. The first is the structures. You have to take care of the structures, work on the structures, That's the human frame. And the other one is diet. How do you fix your diet is if you know for sure, is do the genetic testing. We, now we know uh, for sure when to give you 
the right supplement at the right time for the right condition so now the body can function better. So proper diet, proper exercise, proper habits, really, as one of the key effects that allows you to begin to encourage the body to heal itself. And then as you're suggesting, specifically looking at not just what the symptoms are and treating the symptoms, essentially saying, let's mask it, feed them a bunch of pain pills, but really getting to the root cause of why is this individual suffering the deterioration, suffering from the pain, and then attacking it right at the root cause. We need to find out the root cause and then go back to the basic. The basic is working with your body. For example, my patients, is I always train them the basic is what? Breathing. When you breathe, you oxygenate your blood. You make your blood more alkaline. You need your body to be more alkaline. So the breathing techniques, the exercise, eating right, do the genetic, I'll coach the patient what supplement they, they can take correctly, accurately, for sure, because we have that available. That's the way that we help the patients. So whether you're suffering from neck, shoulder, upper back, lower back pain, knee pain, arthritis in the joints and hips, or other autoimmune diseases and their accompanying pain, why not call today and find out how developing healing habits in your life can literally lead you to a life free from pain? At the present moment, Dr. Duong is offering a very special offer for our listeners. It's a special consultation, a $287 value for just $47. That's right. You heard me correctly. Dr. Duong offering a $47 consultation valued at $287 for the first eight callers who qualify. Right now, pick up the phone and call 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Or call 510-818-1668. And this is really an amazing offer, doctor, for the first eight callers to come in for a complete checkup consultation, an opportunity to really get an understanding as to what is underlying this pain, the debilitating lifestyle, and then hopefully get to that root cause and get people back on the road to good health and healing habits. The healing habits work on the basic. You have to work on the basic so that you can create the habits so you can get rid of this pain and enjoying life. So get on the road to good health today. Call 510-818-1668. Be one of the first eight callers to qualify, and you'll receive this $47 consultation, a $287 value for just $47. 510-818-1668, or information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com, HealingHabitsNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For those who have loved ones currently in the hospital who have perhaps lost a loved one, it raises many of the why God questions. Why does God allow things to happen like this? And when we're in these kinds of times, whether we're talking about the tragedy of what unfolded yesterday in Boston to the loss of a child to maybe just the day-to-day challenges that we face in life. Oftentimes, we, we feel as if we're kind of groping about, and we're, we're wondering in the middle of the darkness of our experience, how do we find God? 
with coincidentally a new title of a book called called Finding God in the Dark. And it's co-written by my next guest, Ted Gluck. Ted, of course, has been on the program previously. We talked to him uh, some months ago regarding his best-selling book, Dallas and the Spitfire. Back again to join us today. And, Ted, it's always great to have you on the show. Hey, Craig. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Boy, the timing of our conversation today in the wake of the tragedy of Boston yesterday, again, it just touches on so many levels emotionally and, and spiritually. Kind of give me your overall sense, um, particularly in the spirit in which uh, you wrote this book along with Ronnie Martin. Um, We're in these moments, be it the tragedy of yesterday to simply maybe losing a job, losing a loved one. We grapple with the sense of where God, why God? Yeah, we really do. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. These are these are existential questions. You know, these are questions that that strike to the core of our existence, and um, they really strike to the core of how it is that we think about God. And um, you know, as as I prepared for the show tonight, I, I knew you were going to ask me about this, and I was I was talking it over and, and praying about it with my wife, and I was reminded of the verse in First Thessalonians that says. You know, as Christians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope, and you know, but we still grieve. You know, and, and whether you're intimately involved in a situation like this, or or whether you're just kind of observing it from the outside, I mean, you're grieved. And I'm reminded of the the doctrine of total human depravity. You know, the idea that that we're all sinners in this world with sick hearts, and that there's no hope for us, and there's there's nothing good apart from Christ. And I think, you know, what what you take from this events. I mean, you watch the media and you hear things like, you know, we're going to do everything we can. And, you know, there's all kinds of kind of governmental slash military finagling going on. And, and on one hand, you, you root for that and you're, you're hopeful that something will be done. But, you know, as Christians, we know that um, apart from the cross and apart from Christ, you know, there's really, there's not a good answer. You know, there's not a great hopeful thing that, that Obama or anyone else can say to people to really make them feel better. So, you know, I think for us, maybe the takeaway is an opportunity to, to recognize the sin in our own hearts. And, you know, much of my book deals with that, you know, this idea that, you know, it wasn't until I really humbled myself and threw myself at the foot of the cross that I had any joy and any peace in this life. And I think we were reminded that we don't find our joy and peace in circumstances or situations. You know, it, it isn't God's job to, to make everything perfect for us. Um, uh, but he does find us, he does seek us out, and he does give us the opportunity to, to humble ourselves and, and find joy and peace in him. You know, what you say, I know, even with my listeners eavesdropping on this conversation right now, we, we, we resonate with what you say. We, we certainly readily give a mental assent to your observations. And yet oftentimes, isn't there that disconnect that we experience, meaning that we understand, for example, if we want to just kind of uh, coldly in a very calculated manner dissect what transpired yesterday, it is, you know, man's depravity, it is separation of God from God by, by sin, it is our inclination to do wrong and evil and the influence of the enemy in our lives. We understand all of that, and we can certainly in many ways kind of pigeonhole or categorize the pain of yesterday into those categories. We give complete, total mental assent to those realities. And yet there's this disconnect where emotionally, though, 
we're still saying, but wait a minute, God. I mean, aren't you supposed to come in and kind of, you know, save the day? Uh, We look at this and say, well, you know, of all the people that died yesterday, uh, three all told, why did one of them have to be an eight-year-old boy? And suddenly now we're kind of emotionally uh, and spiritually wrestling with God over these things. Yeah, we are, you know, and I I fully agree. And I think, you know, for those of us who, who grew up Christian or grew up in evangelical homes like I did. I mean, I think I, I spent a lot of years just intellectually assenting to things and not really feeling or experiencing them. And there's this, this strange tension in the church where, you know, you're, you're clinging to truth and you have biblical truth, but yet you, you still want to experience things. You want to feel comforted. And, you know, for me, uh, I think the Bible is full of, of, of examples of people who, you know, cling to cling to Christ and cling to cling to God in the midst of really horrible things that are happening to them. And on one level, you 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 don't really maybe find comfort in their stories, but I I find comfort in the idea that there's a model for how we can cling to the Lord in those times, how we can cry out to the Lord, how you know King David, who you know the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, but but was also this horrible sinner. You know, he was a, an adulterer and a murderer, and he has the audacity and the and the courage really to ask God for a clean heart, and then he asks God to restore his joy. And this is, you know, when people are pursuing him and and chasing after him to take his life. You know, he even he even clings to to the Lord for joy in that. And you know, as to how that comforts, you know, someone who's who's grappling with the reality of yesterday, I don't know, but I'm but I'm glad it's there, and I'm glad, you know, the Bible gives us a, a model for how we're to do that. And I I found, I mean, my experience has been. Um, that there's really been no earthly comfort outside of that. And, you know, sometimes we can't explain these things away. We can't, um, you know, God doesn't let us know immediately why it's happening. Um, but, but that feeling of joy and peace, even in the midst of, uh, of life's terrible storms, I mean, that's something that uh, experientially we can we can look to the Lord and just say thank you. There's one thing, though, that tends to kind of complicate this, and after a brief time out, I want to kind of dig deeper. We, we spoke of the, the mental ascent to what we understand to be true from God's perspective, from God's Word. Then there's kind of the emotional struggles that we go uh, go into, where we, we understand intellectually what's going on, and yet emotionally still there's that sense of disillusionment and fear and doubt and unbelief. The third aspect that kind of complicates this scenario is the big cover-up, and we'll talk about that when we come back after a brief time out. Best-selling author Ted Kluck is with us today, a look at Finding God in the Dark. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We continue our visit with best-selling author Ted Kluck. He, along with co-author Ronnie Martin, have written a new book called Finding God in the Dark. Now, we talked a bit about that sense of giving mental assent to what we know are the realities of what's going on in these kind of circumstances, Ted, and yet oftentimes uh, being just overwhelmed by emotional senses of, of doubt and fear and disillusionment. But then there's kind of the other third item that I think tends to complicate this, and you talk about it in the book. It's something that we evangelicals in particular seem to be very adept at, and that is um, kind of faking our way through pain, 
you know, painting on the smile and and getting past the greeter at the door at church on Sunday or, you know, uh, giving the obligatory, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? When in fact, we're really not. And I'm wondering if sometimes that sets up a barrier that really blocks us from the ability to deal with how we're feeling and kind of find the sort of uh, peace and relief that we seek. Yeah, I think it absolutely does. And I think, you know, I wrote about it in the book. I was absolutely guilty of that for so many years. You know, the issues were different for me in that, you know, our our hard times, our dark places, if you will, were infertility, um, a failed adoption, um, some vocation-related failures that I was experiencing. And instead of, you know, being humbled and clinging to the cross and those things, for a lot of years I just got more bitter, you know, more bitter, more cynical, um, but week after week, day after day, you know, Sunday after Sunday, I would go into church and, and, you know, I was, I was everybody's buddy and, and the backslapping lobby guy with a smile for everybody. But inside I was really dying, you know, and I was really struggling with, you know, how do I love a God who, uh, would put me through this quite frankly was, was my thought process. And, um, it was really tough, you know, and, and thankfully the, the same institution that was hard for me in that, the church. Um, it was tough to go to church, and it was tough to see everybody else, I thought, prospering, you know, while I was kind of circling the drain, I thought. But um, it was that same institution that ended up being, you know, such a help and such a comfort for me as the Holy Spirit uh, pursued me out of that. I guess the irony is that a lot of us are often going through this, whether it's the way in which a whole community suffers, such as in the wake of the Boston bombing, or individual families. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job. As you point out in your case, it was an adoption that right on the cusp of, of everything coming together, um, your uh, your little Ukrainian daughter, who who was literally the the, the sister of, of one of your adopted boys, uh, mm-hmm. another couple stepped in and the law did what it did uh, thousands of miles away, and that whole adoption process fell apart. That created a great deal of pain in your life, and I guess maybe the issue oftentimes here is when we're going through pain or fear or doubt or disillusionment, uh, we want to keep up a happy face. You know, nobody typically posts on Facebook what a terrible day that they're having or what an awful meal that they had. They, we all tend to kind of want to be uh, happy and, and, and sort of, you know, put on the dog, so to speak, and yet behind that mask oftentimes lurks an awful lot of pain. Yeah, that's so right, man. I, I think oftentimes we're our own best press agents. And, you know, from being in Christian media and Christian entertainment, as I am, you know, there, there is this often kind of creepy, you know, motivation to self-promote. And um, I find I found myself doing a ton of that, you know. Uh, again, on Facebook, my Facebook persona was, you know, I was this happy, successful guy with a great family and, um, you know, all kinds of success and all kinds of exciting things happening. But you know, for anybody who knew me then or, or anybody who was close to me then, you know, the opposite was really true. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I heard some convicting preaching. Um, it wasn't until I, you know, I went to some friends of mine in the church, uh, a pastor and an elder, and just said, look, I'm, I'm struggling here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really dying here. I'm really bitter, and uh, I need your help. You know, um, thank God, you know, for me that the Holy Spirit pursued me in that way and, uh, and, and kind of led me to do that, because I think even though the circumstances really haven't changed, you know, this book isn't one of those stories where, you know, we pray a couple of times and then we get rich and have a bunch of kids and everything starts going right for us. You know, the, the circumstances are the same, essentially. 
Um, but, but Christ has given me a lot of joy and a lot of peace in the midst of that. So I'm thankful. What's the big takeaway? Um, as both you and Ronnie have shared a lot of personal pain in this book, what are you hoping to be the big takeaway for readers and for our listeners tonight? Yeah, you know what? I think a couple of things. Number one, we can feel so alone in our churches um, when we do struggle and when we are in dark places. And uh, Ronnie and I hope that this book would kind of be the, the friend that we don't have in churches, you know, the, the person who's willing to be honest about their own struggles and their own sins and their own, you know, dark places. So hopefully it'll be a comfort to people on that level. But um, I think the other takeaway really is just a, a simple presentation of the gospel, you know, that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and we acknowledge our sinful hearts and our brokenness, that He'll lift us up, you know, and He'll um, He'll redeem us, and He'll give us peace, and He'll give us, you know, the, the clean hearts and the and the joy of our salvation that David talks about in Psalm 51. And, you know, I think in, in different ways and in different struggles, uh, Ronnie and I have both uh, experienced that, and we wanted to you know, to write the book is a really an outpouring of thanks to uh, to a Lord who would who would do that for us. You know, a couple of really sinful, screwed up guys. We have a lot of observers right now who they themselves are asking questions, who do not currently have a relationship with the Lord. And I know it's easy sometimes to come up with pat answers, but from a sincere standpoint, as as maybe people out there who are not believers are seeking answers and and asking the why God questions as well, what what do you tell these people in, in terms of how they can find God in the dark? I think keep asking and keep seeking, and, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will find you. You know, I, I think, you know, we serve a Lord who, who finds us and who pursues us and who loves us enough to, you know, to to... to come after us at times. And, you know, I think if, if people are asking questions, that's a great sign. You know, I don't think you, I don't think you get anywhere in this life without asking the hard questions. And, you know, again, you know, there's this, there's this weird tension in the church where you're just so, sometimes you feel like you're supposed to smile and show up and um, everything will be great for you. But, you know, it really wasn't until Ronnie and I started, started asking those hard questions that, um, that we got any peace. And um, so I would say keep asking. I would say, you know, search for truth. I mean, I think we're, we live in a culture where um, it's very cool and it's very sexy to, to be journeying and never arrive anywhere. Um, it's cool to be a seeker, but not a, a, a pursuer of truth. But I would say, you know, seek hard after truth in Scripture and, uh, and see how the Lord reveals himself to you. A look at finding God in the dark. Ted Cluck, along with Ronnie Martin, the authors of this new book. And the book, by the way, is recently published by, i got to get my cheaters on here, boy. Reaching that age, are you, Roberts? Bethany House Publishers, and you can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it through Ted's website at tedcluck, K-L-U-C-K dot com. And our thanks again to Ted Cluck for visiting with us in this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.